Chapter Twenty Six of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Molly's Prince by Rosanouchette Carey. A white vellum pocket book. And there's pansies. That's for thoughts. Hamlet. There'll be a comforting fire. There'll be a welcome for somebody. One in her neatest attire will look to the table for somebody. Swain. It was in the gathering dusk of the afternoon when Waveney found herself in the neighbourhood of Cleveland Terrace. They had driven fast, and yet to the eager girl the way had seemed strangely long. As they approached the house, Althea shivered a little, as though her fur-lined cloak had suddenly lost its robin-like coziness. The steely winter sky, the raw dampness of the atmosphere, the gloom of the half-light which made all objects appear out of due proportion, and gave them a hazy indistinctness, made her feel depressed and uncomfortable. As the carriage stopped, the door was quickly opened, though not by the footman, and a familiar voice in the darkness said, "'Thank you, Miss Harford, a thousand times for bringing the child home. "'Waveney, my darling, a happy Christmas to you. "'Run out of the cold, dear, it is beginning to snow.' but Waveney kept her place. "'I must say good-night first, father. Were you watching for me? Do you know you have not wished the dear ladies a happy Christmas yet?' Then Althea's gentle, melancholy voice interrupted her. "'Dear child, there was no need to remind your father of an idle form. I am quite sure we have his good wishes for the sake of the old lounge sign. You are bareheaded, Mr. Ward. Do please go in.' And her slim, gloved hand was stretched out to him. Everard bowed over it as he pressed it warmly. "'You will always have my best wishes,' he said very gravely. "'Good night, Miss Harford. Good night, and thank you, Miss Althea.' And then he swung open the gate and went up the little courtyard, with Waveney clinging to his arm. Althea looked after them with wistful eyes. What a stream of light met them! What did the narrow passage and steep, ladder-like stairs matter, or the frayed and dingy drogating? when that starlight glow of home radiance beamed so brightly. And indeed, when Waveney felt Molly's arms round her neck, and her warm cheek pressed against hers, her heart was comforted and at rest. "'Where are you taking me, sweetheart?' she asked softly, as Molly dragged her past the studio door. "'You must come upstairs and take off your things first, returned Molly, panting from her exertions. "'We shall have tea in the dining-room tonight, because there are muffins and crumpets, and I must see to them.' Then Molly threw open the bedroom door and stood still in silent enjoyment to see Waveney's start of surprise at the sight of a splendid fire burning in the grate. "'Oh, Molly,' she said, quite shocked at this extravagance, "'have we ever had a fire here before, except when we had the measles?' Then Molly laughed and shook her head. "'I dare say not, but I was not going to let you sleep in this cold vault for three nights when you have been used to a lovely fire in your pansy room.' "'Why, Wave, you absurd child! How grave you look! Father won't have to pay one penny for it. I put two shillings into the housekeeping purse out of my own money, and we will just have a beautiful fire every night, and won't we enjoy ourselves?' "'It feels lovely,' returned Waveney, kneeling down on the rug, for she was chilly from the long drive. "'No, don't light the gas, dear. The firelight is so pretty.' Then Molly put down the matchbox reluctantly. I wanted to show you something, she returned in a low voice. 
but perhaps if you make a blaze you will be able to see it. Oh, what is that? As Waveney mutely held out a long brown paper parcel. Is that another present? No, please don't open it. You must look at this one first. And then Molly, with outward gravity and much inward excitement, laid a beautiful Russian leather writing case on the rug for Waveney's inspection. Never had Waveney seen such a case, so dainty, so complete, so perfectly finished. The initials M.W. were on everything. The silver paper knife and pen holders, and on the tiny card case and inkstand, and every card and sheet of paper was stamped with Molly's address. Waveney was silent from excess of admiration, and also from a strong feeling of emotion. Only a lover, she thought, could have planned all those pretty finishes and details. Surely, surely Molly's eyes must be open now. Molly, dear, I really don't know what to say, she answered at last when the silence became embarrassing. It is really too beautiful for anyone but Cinderella. Then a little conscious smile came to Molly's lips, and her cheeks wore their wild rose flush, and yes, certainly there was a new wistfulness in her eyes. Was it not splendid of Mr. Ingram, she said, but her voice was not quite steady. It was so kind that I could not help crying a little, and then Father laughed at me. I can't understand Father Wave. When I asked him if I ought to write and thank Mr. Ingram, he got quite red, and said that I must know my own feelings best. It was so odd of Father to say that. Did Mr. Ingram write to you, Molly? No, returned Molly with her cheeks a still deeper rose. There was only a slip of paper, with Monsieur Blackie's good wishes. But Wave, he is not coming back for a long time, he told me so. He said society had claims on him, and that he had a house party impending and other engagements. But I did not like to question him. Well then, I suppose you had better write, only just a short note, Molly. And pray, pray do not be too grateful. If he gives you presents, it is to please himself as well as you. But you do not know his address, you silly child. No, returned Molly with a sigh. That is one of his mysteries. He calls himself a nebulous personage. If you ever want to write to me, he said the last time he came. If your father breaks his leg, for example, or my friend the humorist plays another one of his tricks and requires chastisement, and the strong arm of the law, you can ask my cousin Althea to send on the letter for you. Is that not a funny roundabout way? Rather, returned Waveney dryly, feeling as though she were on the edge of a volcano. I think, Molly dear, that under these circumstances it would be better not to write, but just wait and thank Mr. Ingram when he comes. And though Molly looked a little disappointed at this decision, she agreed, with her usual loyalty, to abide by it. When the new dress had been duly admired, and Miss Althea praised to Waveney's entire satisfaction, they went downstairs to begin their Christmas merry-making in earnest. Noel, who was always the lord of misrule on these occasions, had insisted with much severity on the usual programme being carried out. So they had snapdragon in a dark dining-room after tea, and Molly as usual burnt her fingers. And then they went up to the studio and acted charades and dumb crambos for an appreciative audience. Mr. Ward, who occupied the front row, and Anne and Mrs. Muggins, who represented the pit. "'Laws, miss, ain't it beautiful and lifelike?' observed Anne, the heavy-footed, for the twentieth time. But Everett's eyes were a little misty. If only Dorothy could have seen them, he thought. And then his imagination flew off at a tangent to his old friend, Althea Hartford. 
All the evening her soft, melancholy voice had haunted him. For the sake of old Lang Syne, she had said. And her tone had been full of pathos. She has never forgotten. I think she is one of those women who never forget, he thought. But he sighed as he said it. To Waveney, those three days were simply perfect, and every hour brought its enjoyment. On Sunday afternoon, a snowstorm kept them prisoners to the house, and there was no evening church, so they sang carols by the fire instead. And Anne sat on the stairs with Mrs. Muggins on her lap, and an old plaid shawl of her mother's to keep her warm, and listened as devoutly as though she were in the vestibule of heaven. "'Which is my opinion, Miss Waveney,' she observed afterwards." as the Sadducees and Pharisees could not have sang more sweetly, not with all their golden harps neither. Waveney looked puzzled for a moment, but Anne's idiosyncrasies were too well known in the household, and after a moment of silent reflection she said, I see what you mean, Anne. You were thinking of the cherubim and sephirim, and it is a fine compliment you are paying us. And then she went off to share the little joke with Molly and Noel, and the peals of laughter that reached Anne's ears somewhat perplexed the stolid maiden. On Monday they walked to a white world, and then there was snow bowling in the back garden, and then a long walk down Sheen Walk and across the bridge to Battersea Park. And Molly went with them, on her father's arm, and when she got tired, which she did far too soon, Noel took her home, grumbling at every step. And Waveney and her father went on. It was ever as greatest pleasure to walk with his girls but no companion suited him like Waveney. Her light, springy step hardly seemed to touch the ground, and then she was so strong and active, and nothing seemed to tire her. Molly's sad limp always made his heart ache. As they stood looking at some floating ice in the river, Everard asked a little abruptly if Molly had written to Mr. Ingram. Waveney shook her head. The question rather surprised her. "'Why, no, father,' she replied slowly. We do not know Mr. Ingram's address, so I persuaded Molly to wait until he calls. Well, perhaps you're right, returned Mr. Ward doubtfully. But Waveney, child, I am getting a little bothered about things. I like the fellow. I like him better every time I see him. He has real grit in him, and he is a gentleman, but I never saw a girl courted after this fashion. What do you mean, father? asked Waveney a little timidly, for she and Molly were not at all up to date and their shyness and reticence on this subject were quite old-fashioned. "'Why, any child can see that Ingram worships the ground Molly walks on,' returned Mr. Ward, with a touch of impatience in his voice. When she looked at him with her big, innocent eyes, he stammered and changed colour more than once. "'Oh, the man is in earnest. I would take my oath on that. It is Molly's side of the question I want to know. She ought not to encourage him by taking his presence unless she means to have him.' This was plain speaking, but Mr. Ward was getting desperate. His motherless girls had no protector but himself. It was pretty to see how Waveney blushed on Molly's account. Father, dear, she stammered, I can't be quite sure, but I think Molly is beginning to care a little for Mr. Ingram. She certainly misses him. He is very keen and clever. And I fancy that he understands her so well that he will not hurry things. I mean, explaining herself with difficulty that he will not speak until he is certain that her heart is won. That is my opinion, too, returned her father. And then he looked at her with tender curiosity. Where did you gain your knowledge of men, little girl? But Waveney had no answer ready for this question. That night, as they sat on the rug in the firelight, like two blissful salamanders, Molly said, in a flurried and anxious voice, Wave, darling, I want to consult you about something. 
and you must give me all your attention, you know, clearing her throat as though it were a little dry. We have decided that I had better not write to Mr. Ingram. Oh, yes, Molly, we decided long, long ago. Waveney spoke in a calm and judicial voice, but Molly only grew more flurried. But I must do something to please him, she returned, in quite a distressed tone. Think of all the pleasure he has given me, Wave. I've got such a lovely idea in my head. I have finished the menu cards, and I want to paint one of these white vellum pocketbooks for Mr. Ingram. A spray of purple pansies would look so well on it. And I will have it all ready for him when he comes next. Don't you think he will be pleased, Wave? Of course he will be pleased, sweetheart. He would carry it next to his heart and sleep with it under his pillow. But this nonsense was received rather pettishly. I wish you would be serious when a person asks advice, returned Molly with a little frown. You would not like anyone to say those silly things to you. Then Waveney was on her best behaviour at once, and the naughty, mischievous sparkle faded out of her eyes. Don't be cross, Molly, darling, she said caressingly. I do think your idea very pretty, and I should think Mr. Ingram will be very pleased. He does admire your painting so. Why have you selected pansies, I wonder? Then, at this very simple question, Molly looked a little confused. They're his favourite flowers, she almost whispered. He says you can never have too much hard seas in this world. And this answer fully satisfied Waveney. The next morning they started off to Sloane Street to purchase the pocketbook, and Molly expended the last of her earnings. And the moment Waveney left her to return to Erpingham, she sat down to her little painting table and worked until the short winter's afternoon closed in. Waveney did not see it until it was finished, and then her admiration fully satisfied Molly. It was a charming design, and a pansy with a broken stalk, dropping from the main cluster, had a very graceful effect. Father likes it. He says I have never painted anything better, observed Molly, with modest pride, and Waveney cordially endorsed this. Privately, she thought the dainty pocketbook was more fit for some youthful bride. Mr. Ingram could not possibly use it, she said to herself. He will put it under a glass case, or lock it up in a drawer. And if Molly ever writes love letters to him, he will keep them in his pansy book. And then she smiled to herself, as she thought of his delight when Molly, with many blushes and much incoherence, should hand him the book. She could almost see the flash of pleasure in his eyes. But as her lively imagination pictured the little scene, she was far from guessing under what different circumstances Ingram would receive his pansy book. End of chapter 26